drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Clean-out of the top echelons of Qantas leadership today appear almost complete. The chairman of the board, Richard Goida, announced he'll retire before the end of next year, and a number of other board members will also retire throughout the year, quote, in recognition of the reputational issues facing the group and to support restoration of trust in the company. It follows the departure of Alan Joyce last month after 15 years as CEO a difficult tenure, you could say, filled with challenges like the global financial crisis, the grounding of aircraft uh, over safety issues, union disputes, of course, the pandemic, as well as record low customer satisfaction. But it also needs to be said, a period that culminated in unmatched profitability. Peter Harbison's new book looks at this. It's called Alan Joyce and Qantas, The Trials and Transformation of an Australian Icon. Welcome to you, Peter. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you. Do you do you think that the departure of the chair, the CEO, and board members reflects Qantas owning up to its troubles? Um, I don't know. I, I think um, it it clearly reflects the fact that um, a change is is needed. Put it that way. Um, I had actually expected. And, and sort of hoped, to be honest, that um, there would be continuity, that uh, the board wouldn't uh, immediately respond to demands that particularly the chairman stepped down because you do need a, a period of some sort of stability with a whole new CEO as well as senior management team, as you mentioned. Um, so I think it's appropriate anyway that another year is is sort of enough to bed that down, and it may well even be less than that, but just to continue for a few months at least to have something stable is, is appropriate. And yes, I mean, obviously in some ways it reflects the, uh, the pressure that's been on them. I've had the opportunity of spending some time with Alan Joyce during interviews on the sidelines of interviews. And it has to be said, he is a very charismatic man, but also very divisive if you talk to employees, some employees of Qantas, former employees, certainly the unions. Joyce leaves a, a bitter taste in the mouth of some of these stakeholders, if you like. He himself has said, I'm here to work for the board and for the shareholders and they're fully supporting me. In a role such as the CEO of a national brand like Qantas, shouldn't the customers at least be mentioned? <laughs> uh Look, I mean, that was a selective quote. He, he has often mentioned that. But I think, you know, just to go back to the core of this, um, 
being CEO of an airline is probably the most difficult corporate job you can have, and, and particularly something like Qantas, which has got so many different aspects to it in terms of iconic stature, in terms of uh, having 14 unions to deal with, but also particularly during his, his period of tenure to have been going through um, what has been a massive upheaval in the aviation industry, uh, where pretty much every airline has gone bankrupt um, that Qantas competes with and or is, is government-owned. So it sort of puts Qantas in a unique position that it's got through this trouble. Um, it's managed to reduce its cost and stayed stable. I mean, the, the, an alternative scenario is that it could actually have gone broke, and that would have raised interesting questions too because it probably is too big to fail in the Australian context. But I think you do have to put it against that. I mean, going back to 2011, when, when uh, Joyce did shut down the airline briefly for a weekend, um, in the year before that, two of Qantas's major partners, Japan Airlines and American Airlines, had gone broke. Um, we were coming out of the global financial crisis. Uh, costs were high. Virgin was resurging under, under John Borghetti at the time. So there were massive challenges coming to the airline, and you, you really don't generally tend to see these things reflected in the sort of popular reporting. You mention in the book that Alan Joyce is extremely good at compartmentalising and also ultimately a mathematician at heart. And I suppose his calculations over his responsibilities to shareholders versus customers was at the centre of this. Is this what allowed him to cut thousands of jobs and also block out, I suppose, the growing grumbles of customers over their dissatisfaction with the, the product? Yeah, I'm not sure he, he totally cut it out. That's probably a bit unfair. I mean, he, he, he is a human being and, and uh, even though he's portrayed as something of a uh, heartless beast who just has interest in the airline itself, um, it it was a time, I think, when, when everybody else was doing the same sort of things. Every other airline was having to do the same sort of things because we're going through this dramatic period of change. But, I mean, to, to address specifically the customer side, um, yes, obviously, if you don't, if you're not profitable to some extent, then you don't continue to exist and, and so everything else becomes academic. Um, arguably, he was more prepossessed with survival than with... Um, looking after the customers. I don't think, I mean, what's happened in the last six months has been uh, obviously considerably worse in terms of customer-facing activities and issues. The, the, um, what we're talking about really is the post-COVID period and things that happened during COVID. And I think there he really did, um, the, the, the mathematician in him, the, the logic in him, uh, did come to the fore in terms of really not getting to the heart of what was the popular feeling and responding to that. And that was, I think, uh, perhaps a, a great contributor to where we're at at the moment. Can I extrapolate from that comment that you believe that Qantas shouldn't pay back the JobKeeper money, given that if it was too big to fail, the consequences of its failure would have been too too great to bear? 
Um, well, first of all, I wasn't just talking about during COVID. I was talking about the whole period, basically, going right right back to 2011 when when the GFC was in, in you know such a such a major dominant uh, uh, factor in it. Um, as far as JobKeeper is concerned, I mean, a lot's been made of this. Um, many other companies who actually were very profitable during COVID um, have not refunded money. Quite has lost $7 billion during COVID. And uh, I would perhaps challenge your, your initial comment that Qantas has been profitable over this period. Qantas has not been profitable over the past 15 years. Um, it's, uh, it's returns, like the rest of the industry, have been re- really pathetic. But that's, that's a factor of the airline business, not a factor of Qantas. They, um, you know, you're better off putting your money in the savings bank, frankly, in the long run, rather than investing in an airline. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, I think, something we have to sort of have in mind in, in any of these discussions. I suppose I'm thinking of the most recent uh, profits that Qantas delivered, $2.47 billion on the back of soaring demand and high ticket prices. Mm-hmm. If you've just joined me on RN Drive, Peter Harbison's my guest. We're talking about Alan Joyce, his legacy, and also the past, present, and future of Qantas. There really is nothing that Australia loves more than a duopoly, Peter. Uh, Qantas and Virgin now make up 95% of Australia's domestic aviation market. This doesn't incentivize better service and ticket prices. Is this down to the history of protectionism and nationalism in the Australian aviation industry or or something else? I I think it's got a lot to do with the nature of um, the Australian domestic market. I mean, by by general standards, it's not terribly big. And it is, um, and this is a key factor in it, which is a bit difficult to sort of elaborate on, but it, it does revolve around Sydney Airport. Um, if, if you can't get access to Sydney Airport, then you can't be a successful carrier. Um, but, I mean, going right back to post-World War II, when the industry in its modern state began, there was always a concern we wouldn't have two airlines, and therefore we had a two-airline policy which forced two airlines to be in existence. It created a, uh, a very soft foundation for them both to exist. When we deregulated back in 1990, um, there were two more or less equal carriers, Qantas, or to sort of broadly stated anyway, once Qantas was privatised, uh, Qantas against ANSET. And that continued for the latter part of the 1990s. And as we saw in, uh, in 2001, when ANSET collapsed, it is, it is actually quite an unstable domestic situation. And Qantas then was immediately dominant, then Virgin started to claw away at that it's uh, particularly the lower end of the market. And we've never actually sustained effectively more than two carriers. Now, I think we can, and I think we will, after, particularly after 2026 when uh, Western Sydney Airport opens. But um, I, I think, you know, we shouldn't take anything for granted. We do take uh, Qantas for granted very much in that respect. But obviously, we haven't been able to take a second airline for, for granted in, 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 uh, in any of the period that we've, uh, I've just been talking about. So, yeah, it's not that simple. It's not about protection. It's about actually how durable is the market. 
What are your thoughts on Vanessa Hudson and her role taking over as CEO? I mean, she certainly has an uphill battle ahead of her and the deck is not exactly clear yet with Goida still in the chair role until late next year. Among other things, she has to correct the company's damaged reputation. She's made, I think by my count, four, I think four public apologies or including the last one that Alan Joyce made. That's four in the recent months. Do you think it's possible for Vanessa Hudson to correct the woes of Qantas? Yeah, I think you framed that question very well. Uh, It's obviously a a massive challenge. It's it's a bit hard to judge because this is a very unusual period. And and of course, there's been such a firestorm of of media attention around everything, around Joyce, around Qantas, around... uh, just about everything you can think of, right down to sort of super silly, um, nice headlines like Alan Joyce might go to jail. I mean, it's 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 a bit out of out of the normal run of things. I suspect that as things settle down a bit, the um, um, the, the noise will subside. But clearly, um, Vanessa Hudson's primary job is going to be to uh, uh, to console the public both in uh, practical terms and in, in sort of public, publicly visible terms. And that's, that's something that's going to take a period of time. Uh, but I'm assuming because normality will start to return to the market overall, that that is going to be possible. Peter Harbison has been my guest. His book, Alan Joyce and Qantas, The Trials and Transformation of an Australian Icon, is out now. Great to talk to you, Peter. Thank you very much for your time. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.